0: Welcome back, people. DJ for Party One Podcast. Thank you for joining me again. Podcast Underdog signing in. And I am starting to embrace that title a little bit. Initially, I was kind of sort of like, I don't know. I'm going to try it out. I don't really know if I want to brand myself with that whole podcast underdog thing. But you know what? It's it's kind of very befitting because let's face it. I don't have the budget that the rest of the podcast world, people that are well-known and can get well-known people in their podcast videos and in the audio that they, you know, put on Spotify or whatever. But, you know, everybody's able to see the entertainers that come and they do the two and three hour interviews and they break down their catalog and their production and their production credits and, everywhere that they have been influenced by, who they've worked with. I don't have all of that. This is just me recapping my own memories of what I enjoy and what I currently do enjoy. We'll get, we, we're we going to get to that. But this 90s season, I, I'm trying to get through that. And the crazy thing is there were so many albums that started to drop That unlike the 80s where I did that first season and I really I go back and I look at the season a lot and I go back and I think. Did I really not cover this album for the 80s because this was a favorite album of mine, but there's only so many weeks in the course of a year. So I realized what I needed to start doing with this one with season two. To kind of sort of bridge the gap and in, in really put a focus on multiple albums that I would have had some interest in in the 90s growing up is to kind of connect the artists in some cases to all of the albums or at least the albums that I put forth as as multiple albums from one person that I feel like there was a common theme so I could kind of talk about all of them together. And that's what I did for this episode with Ice Cube. And I'm just going to say this when it comes to Ice Cube because I think so many people know him for Friday, And they know him for Boys in the Hood. And eventually, Are We There Yet? And it was two movies and then it became a series where he had like... He wasn't playing himself or he wasn't playing Nick the way he was playing Nick in the movie. He was just like the the brother-in-law to Nick that would show up sometimes if you've ever seen Are We There Yet? If you haven't, it's not that hard to find because... It's, it's syndicated a lot. If you have one of those um, smart TVs, you probably might even find a Are We There Yet channel. So I think Pluto TV may even have something like that. So, so it's out there. It's, it's easy to find. But I think so many, especially with my daughter, she knows him from that very thing. Are We There Yet? The movie. And that's where she gets her Ice Cube reference from. But there's so, so much more for Ice Cube to be connected with. And hip hop is a huge part of it. And it's crazy because like when my daughter, the age that she is now would be the age that I would have really started to catch on to Cube and everything that he was doing. And I will say this as well. Before Q left NWA, I really didn't have a whole lot of connections to NWA. I, I really didn't. It, it's kind of sort of, I started to listen more to what they were doing just to get like familiar with like, okay, what's the beef about? You know, I knew Easy E, Easy does it and, and all of that, but I didn't really gravitate towards Easy or NWA in the way that I did with Ice Cube. So I, I have a little bit of a bias. And I will say this as well. When it came to the South, or at least people that I knew in the South, it seemed to be like when we got to the 90s that there was like a serious or late 80s, early 90s. Seems to be like a serious switch from what hip-hop would actually be for, for people that lived in the South. I feel like they gravitated more so towards the West when we got into the 90s because I don't know if they just felt like they could relate to it more. I'm not sure. But... But I had older cousins that were definitely too short, E-40, Ice Cube, Eazy-E. And these were the same cousins that probably years earlier when Ron DMC was doing stuff, Eric B and Rakim, in the 80s, they were listening to that. But there seemed to be like a great divide in in friends, family, or whatever that I knew because... Ice Cube for, for all practical purposes, he was the West Coast to, to me and a lot of my friends that were growing up. He was the name. He was the one that had the albums that you were going to look forward to hearing the music that you were kind of going to be looking for something from. If it wasn't like another too short album with, with other cousins, but I was laser focused in on Ice Cube and it could be for very simple reason that this storytelling thing that he was doing, that is where I found him to be well, you know how Nas calls himself the visualizer, or he called himself the visualizer at one time, and I can I can totally see that with Nas definitely, because I listened to him too, early '90s Illmatic, yeah, I was I was a fan, but Ice Cube presented something that it just made me me really think about. What was actually happening in California? What was happening in Compton, South Central? It it really did make me aware of like long before we get Minister of Society or Boys in the Hood, any of that stuff, the carjacking, the the women that were setting guys up. To get robbed or something with his once upon a time in the projects um the who's the mac episode i'm saying episodes it's not an episode it's actually just a what am i saying here it is actually just a a song where he's telling the story but the story is so visual he he's so good at painting a picture that even without there being a video associated with some of these songs I could still tell what he was talking about I could vividly get an idea of what was going on so I feel like a lot of people don't give Cube his credit for that. Yeah, most people that you know will probably say today was a good day if you asked them to name an Ice Cube song they could readily rattle that off today was a good day and yeah it has the osley brothers sample it's a great song but there was so much more Hugh who's the mac gangsta fairy tales he did a one and two for that in 1990 he dropped the ep the kill At will and that was only like six songs but i think that was an expanded version of america america with the triple k and their most wanted and in that ep it ended up going gold and then it became platinum which i think that i want to say that they said that was like the first album in hip-hop that was an ep that would have gone platinum so there was a lot to cute There was a lot of fanfare connected to his music. But for some reason, most of the time when his name comes up in hip-hop now, it's always connected with Just Like Today Was A Good Day. But Steady Mobbing, crazy, crazy beat. Sir Jinx, I loved it. Um, The Death Certificate album is what I'm talking about with that. And I really feel like from America's Most to Death Certificate, he really, really amped up the storytelling ability. I just feel like he was he was on his a game, and people don't always acknowledge that he had so much he had a such a great run now, before we get to Death TV, we are at Predator, so we go kill that wheel um the whole America's most wanted album. Um Predator, Death Certificate, those were the ones that really, really Um got my attention because today was a good day. That was on the, the Predator album. But Death Certificate was always like my favorite, probably in that. But who's the Mac was on the Americas most? And that was was another one. The video was funny. DJ Pooh in there. And and that was like An introduction to. I feel like. I feel like it was an introduction to. Just how he was going to approach the game. Like you know some people can do the storytelling. And maybe that's like what they're doing. For one thing. But it doesn't become like almost who they identify as. But Q. Even if he never called himself. A storyteller or a visualizer in that way that it became almost like his, his personality for writing rhymes. That's the way I visualized him. That, that was the day when he, we talked about today was a good day. When you have songs like Who's the Mac, when you have Study Mobbing, when you have Bird in the Hand, which is also on that political realm. I feel like he was, was someone that could make you laugh even if it was a serious subject if you look at look who's burning and and death certificate where he's talking about sexually transmitted diseases but in the way that you're hearing it you're kind of like your antennas are up you're aware like oh yeah you you need to um protect yourself before you wreck yourself basically also uh check yourself you know with DOS effects from that but But yeah, he was talking about a serious subject, but he was making it like in a way where you could even see the humor in the story that he was telling when he was talking about that. Same thing, and I won't even say that this is humor, but it was just like a a cautionary tale of like Don't Trust Him in the Predator album where he was basically talking about how women were send guys up to get robbed. Same thing happens in Once Upon a Time in the Projects. And it, you know, you just, a lot of cautionary tales that you hear. And you're thinking, or at least I'm thinking at that time. Man, what's going on on the West Coast? I don't want to get carjacked. I don't, wanna get ro- I don't want to get robbed. I don't want any of that. I don't want to go out there. <laughs> that's what I was thinking at one time for certain parts. I was like, man, that's it, it's rough. But I feel like he was doing what Tupac claimed to be doing. And I, I won't say it's not like I'm dismissing what Tupac was saying. I totally agree with what he was saying when he was on the Arsenio Hall show one time. And I think it was the wait, the green leather vest. I think it was the poet, poetic justice interview, I believe unless these are two separate interviews, but I know he was talking about the album, you know, and we're talking about Tupacalypse now and, and everything. And there was like this whole conversation that he had with Arsenio, where he was just saying, I'm just a street reporter. You know, I'm I'm not telling people to go out and do all of this stuff that I'm rapping about. He was like, I'm just rapping about the stuff that I see. I'm just bringing it to to you. And I feel like this is what Cube was doing because he talked about politics. He even, you know, engaged in his thought, his process on like Rodney King. That would have been during the, the time where Predator was released because you do, you have people that are. Rapping because at that time, at least, you know, you consider Chuck D was an ally. Chuck D also rapped on um, the first album. So when you when you look at that and you know that we don't as black people often have a a serious voice or anything that we can give any power to. That was where they got their anger out, their frustration out. So. When you look back at the timestamp that Cube created for a lot of this music, and you know, he even touched in the very first album, full-length album, and he was talking about, you know, why they got more of us in prison than in college, you know, And, and the whole street knowledge thing that he was talking about. There's a lot to be said for his ability to transcend between the streets and bringing that back in a way that it made sense that it was actually something that's like social commentary that it's like it's, it's he's pulling the politics in when he talks about I mean it's a it's a play on words but also when we're talking about George Bush Bush um, bird in hand, it's worth more than a bush you know there was a lot that he was he was breaking down and colorblind was always like one of my favorite songs from the death certificate album i will say that you know and and he's talking about the gangs you know and and the gang colors and everything like that and we had cam on there and you know it's it was just like some really really good stuff and when we get to know Vaseline at the end of the album, oh boy! Like, oh boy! Um, that that's one of the, the hardest diss tracks I've ever witnessed in my life for him to go down through NWA in that way and I I, I don't know a straight it connected in a crazy way when he talked about mc ran and easy e and later easy would die from aids that was just a weird that that was a straight bullet that yeah that that was that that you'd have to go and listen for yourself i i can't even can't even break break that down in that way that that was very unfortunate but um mm. But yeah, he, he said he he squashed everything with Easy before he died, I think. I believe he said that. I can't remember if that was him saying that or Dr. Dre saying that. Because, you know, of course, we have Dr. Dre a little later with his come up. But yeah, Ice Q, Lethal Injection would have came out probably almost right before I graduated. I did not take to that one as much as i did to the first three that i just named the um america's most predator and death certificate my favorite among the three and i remember death certificate i remember him interviewing with d barnes on pump it up and they were outside and they were walking and i think she mentioned something about at that time the album had sold like five million copies this is the 90s, people. Five million copies of Death Certificate sold. And growing. That was saying a lot for hip-hop because it's it was not in the place that it is now. I'm not saying it was underground, but I, what I'm saying is, aside from as, as long as that album was, because it had quite a few tracks, aside from like Study Mobbing, And I'm trying to think what else was even the lead track off that album. Whatever the case may be, I feel like Steady Modern was the, the track that came out, but I feel like there was definitely something else on there. But like I'm saying, like we're we're in a time at that time where you only had like two or three singles that were going to be dropped from something and the rest of the album was kind of sort of like you had that anticipation you just wanted to hear what it was about so for him to sell five million and not really be on the radio in a in a heavy way at least not in my area in a heavy way at the time that was like monumental really for for a rap artist but i said it before i've said it here as i'm saying now it didn't surprise me at all that he became a movie maker that had so much success players club friday all three of those it, it was obvious that he could do that he could make people laugh even when they were like you know serious subjects or dark subjects or he could switch from you know there's comedy one second and then there's some serious drama going on the next he had that ability to do that because he was a person that was already used to telling stories through hip-hop and I think that made him such a force when it came to being in the show business industry because he wasn't limited he didn't limit himself to Just doing hip hop, he was able to gravitate into more roles and movies, and he just really made a serious name for himself like where he was playing serious roles, but then he could also do the comedy as well. So, you know, shout out to Ice Cube for just really taking the game and running with it to the fullest. You know, I just had to do an episode definitely on him because when people say they grow up with someone. You know, it, it sounds cliche almost, but if you consider the timeline, when we look at "Kill That Will," I definitely would have still been in junior high at that point. I I wasn't in high school yet, but that was the beginning of my connection to Cube, and then Death Certificate, Predator, all that stuff that would come along later. So I I really do consider him to be like one of those artists that I grew up with, that his sound defined a lot of the music that I was listening to because it was that taste of what the West Coast was. Before we get to a Souls of Mischief or a Delta Funky Homo Sapien, who's actually Ice Cube's cousin, but their their rhyming style is not alike at all. They're, they're, They're completely different people. Um, uh, you know, when we get cars, the backpack kids of Far Side, that type of generation with Jay Dilla on production there. Yeah, Q was 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 he was he was right out of there of the Compton mold of N.W.A. So first, that is where the credibility, I guess, of, of everything that he was doing But then when you find out that he is the prolific one with the pen, that he is the one that is able to go solo and make, yeah, one of the most prominent careers from the group. As far as a rapper, Dr. Dre clearly has had like a lot of production um, credits and even with rhyming as well and albums of his own. But I'm just saying in the time frame and that early to mid 90s, Cube really took over. He really took over. And you just can't deny that this man was a masterful storyteller. He mastered the art of storytelling in hip hop. And then he would go for a second round and master the art of storytelling in movies and television shows. So shout out to Ice Cube. Someone that I definitely grew up with in terms of like music. And when I was older, I got a feel for what his movies were like. And there were more than a few of those that I was was a fan of as well. So so shout out to Ice Cube, masterful storyteller that he is. Um he really held things down for the West Coast early to mid-90s in the hip hop game. And then, you know, there's the whole West Side connection, but that's another story all within itself. But anyway, thank you for joining me. Another episode. We're rap, We're done. See you next week. See what else I got brewing. But yeah, this is Ice Cube. If you haven't heard his albums in their entirety, because he did some skits too that sometimes they were funny and it lead into another song. Skits became like a big thing in the 90s or whatever um, as a lead into some of the songs. And it, it kind of made an album flow in a certain way. So if the only thing that you know about Cube is today was a good day. Please do yourself a favor and check out the Brothers catalog. All right, that's it. DJ for Party One Podcast, Underdog. I'm out. Until next time, thank you for joining me.